Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be or the service is free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Now, 104.5 The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 104.5thezone.com. This is the Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. Presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up, 6 o'clock by my watch. That means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. Blessed to have you as a part of my audience. My name is Jason Martin. You can find me on Twitter at jmartzone. Telephone number tonight, every night. Is 615-737-1045. 737-1045. This is my last show of the week. Titans Radio. Well, everybody's headed to Baltimore. Basically, there will be a special hour of 3HL, a special hour of the Midday 180 tomorrow night from 6 to 8. So we're going to talk a lot about this here football game because it's the last chance that I'm going to have to talk to you about it and talk with you about it. That's why I gave out the phone number because I do want your predictions for this football game, even though we're a couple of days from it. At 737-1045. I will be able to react to it before anybody else, though. Sunday morning on the Jason Martin Show, which you can hear anywhere in the country on Fox Sports Radio. And you can hear right here on 104.5 The Zone, Fox Sports Radio affiliate. First two hours will air live. Third hour will air a couple of hours later on in the morning. Coverage is going to begin on Saturday, by the way, at 4 p.m. Local pregame, Titans at Ravens. M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore. This is the top seed versus the bottom seed. The question I asked on Friday before the Patriots game was, why not you? Why not Tennessee? And ask for your predictions, and that's the same question I ask again. Why not you? It's the top seed, but why not you? You beat the defending champions. Why not you? So call me and tell me that if you'd like to, or you can tweet me at jmardzone. Should mention off the top, that I'm blessed beyond measure, all reasonable and otherwise. Hope you recognize that you are as well. Hope 2020 is starting out fantastically for you and your family. And a reminder that my DMs are always wide open at Jmart Zone for faith-based conversations. The Titans had to win in Week 17. The Ravens didn't even have, they didn't even have to try in Week 17 to be the top seed. 12-game winning streak. They haven't lost in ages. You heard me say this very thing last week about the Patriots. It's a fallacious argument to make because it's not based on any empirical evidence of any kind. The phrase, they're due. Because, folks, that's lame. They really aren't. If they're the best team in the National Football League, they're not due to do anything, really, but end up winning the Super Bowl and end up carrying home the Lombardi Trophy, right? I mean, let's be real about it. Their due is an incredibly desperate, lame line of thinking that excludes basically everything else because those things don't make your argument. Lawyers are exceptional at this. It's why they're paid big bucks. They make their case, and then anything that's out there that could potentially weaken it, 
they throw it out, they ignore it, or they attempt to discredit it, whether or not that's a piece of evidence or a witness or a statement, whatever it is. That's what they do. That's what you're taught to do in debate. You know, if you've ever done debates in high school or college or on a high level, the key, and I've mentioned this before on the show also, the best thing I can do for my job, the best thing I can do as a host, the best thing I can do in preparation isn't to sit there and brain jam a bunch of facts and figures. Because a lot of that stuff is just going to fly by you as you are stuck in traffic right now. You want me to talk to you. You don't want me to give you a wall of information. This is not 538.com. I had a couple of their writers on very early in my career here on The Zone on Sports Trend with Brandon Hagney and David Reed. And those guys were, without fail, I love reading their stuff. It's fascinating, but they're the worst interviews of all time because they sit there with numbers and they do nothing but spout them at you. So if you do that on the radio, it's probably not going to go over very well. Their do is lame. And the best thing I can do in my job as a host is to know what the argument against whatever I say is going to be ahead of time. When you're preparing for a debate, when you are preparing for a case, you need to know what the defense attorney is going to say if you're a prosecutor or vice versa. If I want to win a debate competition, I need to know what's coming from the other guy so that I'm already two steps ahead and can reflect that. And sometimes maybe I can make his argument better than he can make it. Then I'm really rolling. The reason that you should not make the their due case is because you're not desperate if you're a Titans fan. You do have reason. There is rationale for why the Tennessee Titans can go on the road and defeat the Baltimore Ravens on Saturday. It's not about the historical record of the two teams playing one another in the postseason. It's not about the fact that the top seed has lost almost all of them between these two teams and the road team has won more often. That is the equivalent of believing in superstition. None of the guys on that field on Saturday night had anything to do with any of those games. You need to throw that out immediately if you're a lawyer. That's useless. It's great just to see it, and stats are a lot of fun. Alan Bell does a great job, and we've had him on the show, and I've had him on this show, and he's been across the station. And he is a great follow on Twitter, at Bell 24-7. But that stuff's not going to win you football games. You need to look exclusively, specifically, at the 2019-20 Baltimore Ravens, meaning 2019-20 Baltimore Ravens. The team is coached by John Harbaugh the team that's quarterbacked by Lamar Jackson, where Don Wink Martindale is the defensive coordinator. Mark Ingram's the running back. Mark Andrews is the tight end. That's the team that the Titans have to beat. You're not playing against Jamal or Ray Lewis. You're not playing against Brian Billick. You're not playing against Ed Reed. You're not playing against Joe Flacco. So let's talk about the reasons, the real reasons, not the they're due, that you should have to believe in your football's, your team's ability to do this on the field on Saturday night. And this first one, I'm going to say it, and then I'm probably going to back off it to some degree. Because the first reason is, you might just be playing with house money if you're Mike Vrabel and the Titans. Because you've already beaten the defending champions. You're in the divisional round with a road wild card win in Foxborough that very few thought could happen. And very few have ever even come close to pulling off. The team that has the pressure is not the sixth seed that wasn't necessarily supposed to be here. It's the one seed. The Ravens, Baltimore, 
they're the ones with something on their backs. They're the ones that are carrying something the Titans don't have to carry. They've got an extra four backpacks on them right now. And what they're carrying around, what they're lugging around, what they had to pay extra because they went past the number of carry-ons to put on their playoff 737 is the sometimes debilitating weight of expectation. If they lose as a top seed and they've got the likely league MVP as quarterback, the way that they've trucked people this season and blown them out and bullied them and outplayed them and outcoached them, that is going to be a gigantic, enormous, immense, huge disappointment. I've said pretty much since this show began, that one of the hardest things to do, not just in sports but in life, is to live up to grand expectations. Because there's a different kind of pressure involved there that you can't practice away, that you can't overcome in advance. Because you can't practice your mind. Here's a weird way to think about this. Star Wars as a movie franchise. The expectations for Star Wars are astronomically high, dating back to the fact, even though a lot of the films that have come since the original two haven't been very good, those two were so important that the expectations are through the roof. Any Star Wars film gets compared to what? It gets compared to A New Hope, and it gets compared to The Empire Strikes Back. Those are two legendary films. They changed pop culture. They helped shape pop culture even to this day. So then... As an audience, we don't then, we watch The Rise of Skywalker, we watch The Mandalorian, and we don't give them anywhere near the leeway that we do other properties that don't have Star Wars colon behind the name The Rise of Skywalker. Think about that. If The Rise of Skywalker had been its own series, its own universe, nothing to do with Star Wars, how would you have felt about it? Assuming it would have been made in the first place, we'd have probably thought, yeah, that was pretty fun. But if you didn't like The Rise of Skywalker, and I wasn't a huge fan of it, I thought it was okay. But because of the Star Wars tie-in, okay means you end up basically crushing it. Because why? Because you expected more. That's why the old Spider-Man mantra, with great power comes great responsibility. It's why it's always relevant in every facet of your life. Here's another example. Back to sports. Gonzaga. How many times have they been a top seed? or been one of the best teams in the country in college basketball, and then they simply cannot play with those expectations. They don't finish. They don't win a championship as good as they are. Georgia against Alabama a few years ago in the national title game, the Tua game. Maybe they were the best team, but they couldn't finish it because all of a sudden, Kirby Smart, Rodrigo Blankenship, Jake Fromm, all of them, they had expectations. And in the moment that they least could afford it, they flinched. And they lost to Alabama in overtime. What have the Ravens been all season long? They've been this year's new it team. Them and the 49ers. But neither of those quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson or Jimmy Garoppolo, have been there before. They've never been here before. The hype around those teams is unbelievable but particularly Baltimore. Baltimore's hype is staggering. If the Tennessee Titans come out and they run it effectively early, or they get up 7 to nothing, or maybe they even get up 10 to nothing, 
How does that team react, the Ravens, where the going theory is they are going to win and maybe even they have to win? That right there is your number one reason as a Titans fan. It's not on the field. It's in the mind of the people participating in the sporting event on Saturday night. It's not based on superstition. This is not based on historical records that I find entirely irrelevant. It's based on one team having expectations and one having house money to play with, where they might be able to play a little looser. If Baltimore is tight, they might get beat. And I told you I was going to back off this because I need to say something else about this. 737-1045 is the telephone number. I know we've got a couple of folks on the line. We're going to take some calls and get your predictions and thoughts on this huge matchup coming up for the remainder of the program. And I'm going to give you more reasons for hope for your football team. But before we go to this break, and as Ryan and Josh hang with me, just as I said their due is lame, so is the phrase house money. That is a loser mentality. It shouldn't exist. Not for winners. There's no house money here. You're one of four teams left in the AFC with a shot to go to Miami in a few weeks to play in the Super Bowl. You were good enough to make it into the tournament. So to say house money is to assert that somebody's already done enough. That might be true for the fans. Look, Nashville might be in on this team going forward, at least for the short term, regardless of what happens on Saturday night. But that can't be true for the players and the coaches. It just can't be. If you want to look at the Nashville Predators over the past few years since they went to the Stanley Cup, one of the things that I've noticed in the time that I've watched them play is it felt like the attitude was this was always going to be this way. That where they were was where they were going to stay. It felt like there was a complacency that took over the entire organization. And now people aren't really talking about that team nearly as much anymore. Stuff changes. The Orlando Magic were supposed to be a dynasty with Shaq and Penny. They made it to one NBA Finals and got swept and then never returned. Doesn't matter what you think is going to happen. You have to appreciate the you have to appreciate the now. So the fans might be there now, but where are they going to be in four years? The Titans are this city's team. You're not going to abandon them. So it makes sense that because they're winning, because they got into the playoffs, and because they beat the defending champions, that you might be in on them going forward. But that cannot be the case. You can't feel that way if you're a player on the Tennessee Titans or a coach on that sideline. And here's the good news. I don't think that's the case here. Mike Vrabel does not strike me as a house money kind of coach. And thank goodness for that. This is a guy that's won that big game multiple times. He has been there. And that is to the immense benefit of Tennessee because he's not going to let them go in there lacking a killer instinct. Now, whether or not they've got enough to get the job done on this particular evening against that team is yet to be determined, but I think they're going to be ready and I think they're going to be hungry. So that's one reason for hope. That's a reason you can write down. That's a reason you could tweet out to people that actually makes some sense. The pressure rests heavily on the back of the favorite not the 10-point underdog. It's not house money because I think that's garbage. But if somebody's going to start gripping a little bit on Saturday, which team's more likely to be gripping on Saturday? 
They're playing at home, and their fans expect to win. Their fans are going to be let down if the Ravens don't win the game. Titans fans are going to be sad. They're going to be disappointed because they wanted to keep playing, but they haven't been the talk of the NFL all season long. The Ringer hasn't written 50 articles on Derrick Henry. There's another piece about Lamar Jackson today, and deservedly so, but that creates expectation. They've been the talk of this league all year. That's something to keep in mind. The pressure is on the favorite, not the underdog. That's reason for hope. Now, on the field, how about reasons for hope? We'll get into those when we come back. 737-1045-615, 737-1045. We will lead off with Ryan and Josh. Hang with us through the break, guys. I will get to your phone calls as soon as we come back. This is the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. Zone. Tra- Balls basketball on The Zone. Tennessee and South Carolina, Saturday at 1130 on 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back to the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone, brought to you by Renters Warehouse. You can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. You can always buy happiness here. Nobody beats zone coverage. we got Lady Vols and Ole Miss coming up right after me, so stick with us here tonight. Talking about this Ravens-Titans game on Saturday, since I don't have a show tomorrow, you'll hear an extra hour of 3HL and an extra bonus hour of the Midday 180. Live from Baltimore at the Tin Roof down there. And that'll be from 6 to 8 tomorrow evening. So go ahead and schedule that because that's what we're talking about and that's what we're thinking about across Music City. Ryan and Josh waited patiently through the break. Let's get to them quickly. 615-737-1045. What are your thoughts on this matchup? We go to Ryan. He's in Bellevue. He's up first. Ryan, what's up? Uh, what's up, man? I uh, just uh, want to talk about the uh, earlier in the year, the Ravens played the Browns. The Browns kind of thrashed him and kind of what the – what the blueprint was there for kind of stopping that Lamar Jackson offense. But, you know, in that game, it was really more about what Baker Mayfield and uh, Nick Chubb were able to do and how you kind of see that as a, as something for the Titans to exploit. Well, I mean, you look at that game and it may have just, well, I mean, it was a division game and nobody's going to go undefeated. Doesn't seem like that's something we're going to see happen often in sports period. Certainly not in the NFL. That was one of those days where everything just came together for the Browns, and it was another team that maybe at that point didn't have a ton of expectation. It was starting to falter already. Um, I'm about to lay out a case. I want to take one more phone call, but then I'm going to lay out one on-field reason that you should really have a lot of hope uh, in terms of how you match up against the Ravens' defense in particular. Let's go to Josh. He's in McMinnville up first here. Josh, what's up? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh- First thing I wanted to say, I completely agree about the house money thing. That that doesn't work in sports. But the expectations, they are real. And they're heavy for a team that's not really been there, minus their coach and some of the other coaching staff. But I think one point that really keeps Tennessee in the game is the Ravens have feasted off time of possession. So our style of football, running the ball, mixing in the play action, moving the chain. Like we do, we do get big plays in there with the play action AJ Brown, but we really do control the ball as well. So that I think can you know be the difference maker in the game. And as far as defensively, um, you know we've got we got some speed in the middle. I mean, 
J.R. Brown not being there is going to hurt, but we can cover those tight ends that they love. And I think that's going to give us a lot of, uh, you know, a chance to stay in the game. You know, because no one's, no one's really been able to force them to a three and out often, and, and that would be a win for us very much so early if we can, you know, get that to happen. Yeah, you know, you make a good point. Um, and it was kind of where I was going next in terms of where the Ravens' vulnerability lies defensively because they're an excellent defense, but they're also an incredibly aggressive defense which can be a positive, but it can also put them in situations where the risks that they take can lead you to opportunities that you might not have against a defense that's a little bit more careful in how they approach blitzing in particular. You knew going into the Patriots matchup generally what Bill Belichick was going to do. He was going to focus on Derrick Henry, but he was also going to have a plan for A.J. Brown. We heard that from every expert that came on to lead into that game. That's what Dave McGinnis said. It's what Greg Cosell said. It's what everybody said going into that game. And it basically proved true. Thing was, you can have a plan to stop Derrick Henry and at least as of late, still not be able to stop Derrick Henry. And the Patriots defense, Josh used the term feasted in his call. The Patriots defense feasted on a lot of terrible quarterbacks and they feasted on bad teams because they did have the worst schedule in the league. And I, I continue to say, look, they're all getting paid. They're all decent, but there are certainly hierarchies. But the Ravens are incredibly aggressive. How aggressive? I just got word through my earpiece that Marcus Mariota was sacked again by the Baltimore Ravens in Nashville. You remember that last year? That rain that fell, and it just looked like on every single play, Marcus Mariota had no chance. And at the time, people were still making the excuses, and they were saying it was all about the offensive line. It was not. It, If you go back and look at it, a lot of it was on Marcus. Some was on the offensive line, but it was also just the Ravens and how they approach defense. Because what Wink Martindale does as a defensive coordinator is he blitzes a lot, but he blitzes from different spots. He disguises who it is that's coming until the last second, and then it turns out to be an extra cornerback who's right in the face of you when you try to roll out, and that can cause severe problems. I'm going to get back on the clock since I ran long on the first segment. I'm going to go ahead and get to a break now. 615-737-1045 is how you join this program, 737-1045. When I come back, I want to extrapolate on what I just said. I want to talk about how the aggression of the Baltimore defense can lead to a big day for one of our favorites here in Nashville. I'll go into that next. This is a Big Six presented by Renner's Warehouse. It's on 104.5 The Zone. So, traveling to Baltimore, join the Midday 183 HL and Titans Radio as we broadcast live on Friday, January 10th from Tin Roof at 32 Marketplace in downtown Baltimore. Then on Saturday, join us for the official Titans Road Rally Party at Tin Roof Baltimore from 3 to 6 p.m. for a pregame meetup with Titans giveaways, specials, and more. Then from 6 p.m. to kickoff, stop by the official Titans fans tailgate at the Ravens Roost between lots O and N of the M&T Bank Stadium to get ready for Titans versus Ravens. For more info, visit 1045thezone.com. Welcome back to the Big Six here on 1045 Zone, presented by Renner's Warehouse. My name happens to be Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. You can always hit me up there. 
So Jeff Schwartz was on with me last night. If you missed that, it's a good reason to subscribe to the Big Six with Jason Martin podcast. Just search that through your podcast catcher of choice. You can catch up on any of the shows that you missed. He was with me for three segments, and we broke down this game in particular, this Ravens-Titans matchup, from every angle. And, of course, he's been pretty critical of paying Tannehill. And, you know, Nashville hadn't been his biggest fan, but he laid out his case, and I just kind of wanted him to get a shot to extrapolate and say things longer than a 280-character tweet where you can lose a lot of context. But he talked about the number one key this weekend for the Titans in terms of being successful is deep shots to A.J. Brown, especially if you can get them through play action. And his reasoning was the Ravens go heavily manning coverage and they blitz a lot. So I looked into it a little bit today. How much do they blitz? Don Martindale, the defensive coordinator of the Ravens this season, his defense blitzed on over half their snaps, which is way higher than anybody else in the league. And as I was joking right before the break, Mariota just getting sacked again, meaning the, the game they played last year. We saw this act last year right here in Nashville. We know how aggressive they are. We know how they send people with the quarterback. Earlier this season, the Ravens played the Jets. I was reading kind of a write-up on that piece from the Baltimore Sun. And... Sam Darnold's another guy that likes play action, but it didn't work against Baltimore. Of course, the Jets weren't that successful. They weren't anywhere near what Tannehill was. But it didn't work against Baltimore because Martindale disguises his blitzes, which I was describing to you in the last segment. He sends corners. He sends the guy you least expect, and he does it on delay. And the rollouts and these longer developing play action plays then can fail because you roll out and where you usually have space, and this is something Tannehill does and something that Darnold like to do when he was succeeding as well turn around and there's a corner right in the face of the quarterback and then you've got trouble outside they haven't seen anybody like the titans in that regard though Tannehill's been a virtuoso i'm not saying that the ravens have been bad against play action they haven't they're just not quite as experienced against it i think the word to use here is they are susceptible against the play action pass down the field they are vulnerable against the play action. They've got three pro bowlers in their defensive backfield. And in that Baltimore Sun article, which was a preview of this game, the author gave Derrick Henry a lot of credit. But the tone of the piece, as I read it, was legitimate, sustained concern about the Titans' potential passing attack against the Ravens because of the aggressive nature, because of the risky nature of that defense. We know they're going to come after Ryan Tannehill. So the offensive line's going to have to hold up. That's job one. The offensive line's been a lot better over the last month. Martindale's going to try to neutralize Derrick Henry. And the problem for you there is, if the Ravens' defense does play as we've seen them play this season, Derrick's going to struggle in the first half. He's not going to accomplish much in the first half. He's more of a second-half back. That's well-known because of how he's built and how you really don't want to tackle him if you were at all fatigued. So you say, well, if he doesn't accomplish much in the first, he'll start accomplishing in the second half like all the time. And that's okay unless the Ravens lead 20 to nothing at the half because of their prolific offense, at which point he's not going to have the time and they're not going to have the possessions to run them back into the game and they're going to have to take risks and it's not going to be on play action because Baltimore will send the house and there won't be anywhere near enough time. Derrick Henry's going to have to have success in the first 30 minutes. 
But if the Titans can utilize the play action, where Tannehill hasn't just been good, he's been the best in the league. If he can avoid pressure with the way the Ravens cover and the extra guys that they're going to send at 17, 11 is going to have space. This is space that wasn't there against New England. He's going to have real space to make the kind of plays that would get him my vote for Rookie of the Year if I had one. Belichick last week put Gilmore on him, as expected, and he only had one target in the game. Even when Gilmore was out of the game, when he was in concussion tent, when they were checking on him, they still didn't throw to A.J. Brown. Here, he has to perform. I have no question he's going to show up. It's not that, oh, he's got to show up. He's going to show up. He'll be there. But the Titans have to first give their quarterback time to let him get down the field, and then he can create separation from those dudes that are wearing deep purple and black. A lot of guys are going to have to do their jobs, but what we've seen from A.J. Brown is he's successfully managed not to just get all these massive yards after catch numbers, but he's created legit green, meaning grass, between himself and the coverage. That makes him not just a target for Ryan Tannehill, but a gift to Ryan Tannehill. If A.J. Brown does not have a big game, meaning if the Ravens are able to get to Tannehill or A.J. Brown can't create separation, the Titans will lose this game. Derrick Henry will not be enough on his own because of how Baltimore plays. This is a completely different kind of challenge from a lot of the wins that the Titans saw during this streak down the stretch. This Ravens defense is nasty. They're physical. They just bludgeon you. And it's honestly really similar to what the all what the offense is going to do with Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram running it and running it and running it and then passing over your head when you are least ready for it. So this isn't as much a reason for hope as it is a blueprint, which is what Josh asked in, in his phone call, a blueprint for what has to happen if the Titans are to be playing in the AFC title game next weekend. If A.J. can flourish, they've got every chance in the world to win this football game. What I said when I picked the Patriots by a field goal last week was just that I didn't know if they were ready to beat New England. Not that they shouldn't. Because I thought the Titans were the more talented team entering that game on the field. I don't think that's the case this week, but I don't think that the difference is so massive as to all of a sudden just go into abandon all hope, all ye who enter here territory. And A.J. Brown has been so big this season for this team. Looking at the way Baltimore approaches defense and the aggression and risky nature with which they play, he should be in situations and circumstances that are actually going to favor him this week. That was not the case last week. So there's your reason, your second reason to get a little excited. Should you need one? I think A.J. Brown's going to get some shots, and I think he's going to succeed. The narrative that went out after the lines released on Saturday night was that the Chiefs and Ravens are going to match up after blowing out both AFC South teams. I actually think that's true for Kansas City. They played with basically half their roster in Week 6 and that loss to Houston. I don't think Houston's very good. I think Deshaun Watson is great. I think they have a bad coach. I think DeAndre Hopkins is great. I think the defense can be had, and I think it will be had by Mahomes and crew. So I actually think the blowout for the Chiefs against the Texans is very likely. But how many teams have drubbed the 2019 Tennessee Titans, now the 2020 Tennessee Titans? 
How many teams have just beaten them to death? I mean, these are almost all close games, especially since Tannehill became the quarterback. And almost all of them, if not all of them, have been ones where Tennessee has control and could easily win. The narrative really should be, if you've been paying attention and watching Titans football all season, this game's going to be close, just like all those were. It It's going to be physical, and it's probably going to come down to a couple of plays here and there, unless Baltimore grows any kind of lead early, at which point I think it's over because of Josh's point that they feast on time of possession. They will hold on to the football so long that the Titans will also have to deal with the clock. It's not going to be on their side. I think if Tennessee grows a lead, they're going to have to hold on. If Baltimore grows a lead, I think it's going to be a wrap. That thing gets to double digits, it's going to be tough. If it gets to 14 to nothing, or if it's 17 to 3 at the half, I don't like Tennessee's chances at all. They've got to stay close to them, and then they can absolutely beat them. Now a couple of quick stats for you before we go to this break. During Tannehill's tenure, With the Titans as a starting quarterback, he has faced precisely one pass defense that ranks in the top 10 in overall efficiency. One. The Ravens are fourth. So that should scare you. Except that the Patriots were third. And they went home. They're not playing football anymore. The Titans are. However, I say that, but Ryan Tannehill only threw for 72 yards in that game. We know he's a beast in play action. How about this? From next-gen stats, against Oakland, he threw for 276 yards. That's the second most off the play fake in any game over the past four seasons. He knows how to get it done if you can give him time. If they can get the play fake operating early in this game, meaning if Henry is at least getting positive yardage and they have to continue to respect the run, you've got a shot. But 11's going to have to have a big day. He can't, they can't take him out of the game. They may game plan for it, but Martindale cannot succeed in that. If he does, I don't think the Titans have much of a chance. But I think he will, so I think that's a reason for hope. We'll be right back. This is the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. Get up. Sports talk just got bigger. The Wake Up Zone, Midday 180, 3HL, and the Big Six. Non-stop sports talk from 6 a.m. till 7 p.m. Monday through Friday. 104.5 The Zone. Final segment of the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse. They're dedicated to putting homeowners on the path to financial freedom through rent estate, renting your home without having to do the hard stuff. Renters Warehouse, the rent estate company. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. No Big Six tomorrow night. Bonus hour 3HL followed by a bonus hour of the midday 180 as they'll be live in Baltimore with probably a lot of you. Seems like a lot of folks trying to make that trip. For the divisional playoff matchup between the top-seeded Ravens and the six-seeded Titans who dispatched the New England Patriots. If you want a third reason, it is Derrick Henry. I mean, let's be real. Derrick Henry's stats, especially, you know, six out of the last seven games where he's been over 100. And looking at it, 
four of those, he's been over 150. Five, if you want to make one at 149. I mean, look at this. From Kansas City on, 23 carries, 188 yards. 19 carries, 159 yards. 26 carries, 149 yards. 18 carries, 103 yards. His lone sort of average performance was 21 for 86 against Houston in that loss. 32 carries, 211 yards. He didn't play against the Saints. 34 carries, 182 yards against the defending champions in their house in the wild card round. Nobody is stopping him. Nobody. He had one 4.1-yard average. That was in the Houston game. Other than that, 5.4 against New England was the worst performance. He's had two 5.7s, a 6.6, and two that have been over eight just in the stretch that I told you about. He's a rushing champion. Nobody wants to tackle him. Nobody seems to be able to tackle him, especially in the second half of these games. You're playing against a team in Baltimore that wants to run it as well, both with a quarterback who can make anybody look stupid and is making professionals look stupid on a weekly basis, trying to control and tackle him. But also for Mark Ingram, who's in top five in touchdown scored this year from the running back position as well. Now, Derrick Henry is also, but Mark Ingram's no slouch. We know this, especially with a quarterback that's such a threat where you can't key in on Ingram. We had a caller earlier that talked about the Cleveland game and how Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb exploited the Ravens' defense. I want to push back against that just for a little bit here. They gave up 193 rushing yards to the Browns in that loss in Week 4. Okay, That ain't very good. But after they got through that game, their run defense in particular led them to make a lot of moves. This defense doesn't look the same as it did at the beginning of the year. They signed LJ Fort. They signed Josh Bynes, two inside linebackers. They traded for Marcus Peters, Pecco, Justin Ellis, Ward. They gave up 193 to the Browns in a week four loss. Their average for everything else that they have done since that point this season, they've given up 92.7 yards. That's their average. Here's what Martindale said. Since week five, we've had close to, if not the best, run defense in the league. Chubb went 20 for 165, had an 88-yard touchdown as part of that, which means he had 19 for about 80 yards past that. In week 16, Nick Chubb had 15 carries for 45 yards total. They are feeling it. Earl Thomas, the second time we were just in another place mentally and physically. We know where each other is. We're a complete defense right now. We played gap sound football. We worked on our fundamentals. We didn't let it happen again. If we make an emphasis on something now, we're going to take it away. He also said they know that Derrick Henry is an outside zone guy. He's a cutback runner. He hits the hole. This is what he says. This is Thomas. We know he's a cutback runner. When he hits the hole, He's not trying to juke you, so we're not waiting on nothing. You just got to go attack. In that win last year for the Ravens here in Nashville, the 21 nothing game, seven carries for 21 yards for Derrick Henry, but this was before he woke up in against the Chargers in London and had that conversation with Eddie George. 
in 2017, even further back, Henry had eight carries for 26 yards. What Martindale says that is smart backs up things that I've said earlier this hour, which is they know that Derrick Henry's success has made Brian Tannehill that much better as well, so they have to equate for both. They have to account for both. But because of the way Henry's playing, the confidence with which he's playing, and the way the team is giving him what he needs to thrive, that's still a reason for hope. So the three reasons that I would give you as to why you should not say they're due, meaning the Ravens are due to lose, or house money for the Titans, because they're both loser mentalities and they're both lame, is that the pressure is on the favorite, not the underdog. Doesn't mean you go to the house money argument. It just means those guys are expecting to win, and it is very tough in life to live up to gigantic expectations. The second is they're susceptible against the play action if you can handle their blitzing because they're so aggressive. Because Martindale's going to send extra guys. They blitzed on over half their snaps this season, which was by far the most in the NFL. And we saw how they like to attack the quarterback in the last time these two teams matched up last year. And then the third one is just Derrick Henry is on another level right now. Over 1,500 yards in the regular season. He's not dropping balls as a receiver. He's not being used in that way as much, but he's when he has to, he's making plays there. He just seems to be completely and totally dialed in right now. Even though the Ravens have had success against him in the past and their run defense is significantly better than it was at the beginning of the season because of some of the substitutions and some of the addition by subtraction and subtraction, you know, bringing other guys onto this roster midseason, they've gotten a lot better. But they haven't seen anybody like Derrick Henry. Know why? Because there is nobody else like Derrick Henry in the NFL. I told Jeff, and Jeff laid it out. He said the best teams in the NFL, told me this last night on the show, Jeff Schwartz did, that the best teams in the NFL do not get emotionally invested in players. That was his argument for not overpaying Ryan Tannehill and not if basically saying if Derrick Henry wants 15 mil a season, you have to be willing to let him go. He's the one running back right now where I look at 11 and 12 mil. If I can get him for 12, I'm probably paying him 12. I might be insane because I'm very bearish as it relates to paying running backs in this day and age. This guy just feels different to me, and he seems to be the thing that is helping the rest of this offense go, creating the opportunities for Tannehill, creating the opportunities for A.J. Brown, and vice versa. Their success enables the other. Derrick Henry is a reason why you should hope. He's a reason we're going to be watching He's probably the guy that you're thinking about in your head that you think is going to send the Tennessee Titans to the AFC Championship game. They have to get by the top seed to do it. No one has been able to handle Lamar Jackson. Of all the teams that were in the playoffs when it started, only the Titans had not seen Lamar Jackson at least once. When you see him the first time, that can be a shock. I think Dean Pease will have his guys ready. I don't know. If they're ready for this challenge, I think there are so many question marks because you see what Lamar Jackson does and you just, there is a natural inclination to think that it can't continue and somebody's going to make him have a bad day. Why can't it be Tennessee? I know I'm usually the bringer of death and I'm really negative about this team. I want to pick the Titans to win. I really do because I think they have a chance and I think that they're being slighted in some circles that just think the Ravens are going to walk all over them. I will pick the Ravens to win the game 
but it ain't going to be a blowout. They're not going to run away from the Tennessee Titans. No one does. I would not be surprised if this went the other way, but I will take the top seed to win at home. I don't think, because they're not a precision-based offense, I don't think the rust is going to be there. I'm afraid they're going to get up to a lead early, and Tennessee's just not going to have enough time to come back into it. Hope to be wrong. Hope the next time I'm talking to you on the Big Six or on the Jason Martin Show on Sunday morning on Fox Sports Radio, the next time you'll hear from me on air, I hope that I am talking about Tennessee going to Kansas City or going to Houston. We will see. Right now, I will send you to Lady Vols coverage. Lady Vols and Ole Miss. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night from the Music City.